them here for the holidays. Amen, amen. You can do better than that, yeah. <laughs> All right, going to the word of the Lord, Isaiah chapter number 31, verse number 1. Isaiah chapter number 31, verse number 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Kind of a cool scripture, right? Well, it's hard whenever you start talking about horses not to really... Uh, really just kind of focus in on that a bit. So right now we're going to speak on this subject today for a few minutes. A horse is a horse. Of course, of course. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Some people really appreciated that more than others, but <laughs> is it the title or is it the image? <laughs> but maybe maybe it just goes perfect together. A horse is a horse. Of course, of course, you may be seated. I, uh, <laughs> that, was, that was good. Good picture. <laughs> solid, solid. <laughs> horse is a horse, of course, of course. This is an interesting scripture here that we're, uh, that we're using as our text uh, from the prophet Isaiah speaking to King Hezekiah. Really clear and, and directive um, Bringing up horses and chariots and horsemen, it's uh, any student of war throughout history uh, up until the 20th century, uh, well into the 20th century actually, uh, understands the, understood the importance of the horse and how important it was for the horse and for armies, for standing armies to have a cavalry, to have a horse, uh, to have many horsemen. It was very invaluable. Uh, of course, we know the old saying, if, you're, if you watch old westerns, the caval, cavalry is coming, the cavalry is coming. It was, oh, salvation in the horse. Salvation in the horse. Man, it's, it's nice to have that, that power. Uh, a horse was, of course, important for uh, many reasons. Of course, um, for mobility, of, of course, quickly getting around. Um, uh, reconnaissance missions, very important for that. Uh, it provided an elevated, elevated strategic position for uh, the military. Um, it was important for communication and, of course, for uh, important for de decisive shock. If you were here last week, you understand um, how irritated I got whenever the mint in my mouth would not dissolve. I did it again this week. So pause for a moment while I get rid of this minute. You would think that a professional like myself <laughs> would, would figure out not to put the mint in right before he gets up. But, but I did again, two weeks in a row. Good job. So we're talking about the horse. <laughs> talking about the horse. And of course, in the 20th century, um, with the Industrial Revolution, it, it, you know, you didn't use as many horse anymore, uh, of, of course, <laughs> because of uh, different things that began to develop. 
with the invention of various mechanical motors and engines uh, and everything, it really took the place of the horse. Uh, I'm sorry if this is boring. I'm trying to get through just a little bit of a, an establish, establishment here of, of how important the horse has been through all of history. And of course, with all the inventions of the, the mechanized and motorized things that we have, uh, what better way to, to, uh, to figure out or to try to convey the power of that engine or that motor or that mechanization than to compare it to the original power source, which was the horse. Uh, of course, we know about horsepower, and, and it's nothing today. Uh, because of the advancements in motorized engines and, and, and things for, um, for you to get 300, 400, sometimes uh, well into five, 600 horsepower and cars going up and down the road because of turbocharging, et cetera, uh, various things. But the horse, the horse and the power of the horse was, has been established all through human history, obviously not just in in Western society in America, but all through human history and in biblical times, in fact, which is the reason why Isaiah is addressing, addressing this to Hezekiah, to not rely on the horse. It's, and it's interesting whenever you start to read more than just our passage here in Isaiah talking about the horse. Uh, there's something very interesting that the Bible and the Word of God and God Himself seems to have a problem with the horse. Even though we put a lot of value in the horse, it would seem as if God, God has a problem with the horse. Reading our text one more time, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Well, we're aware of that, Egypt representing the world. Uh, woe to those who go, who turn to the world, who turn to where God has brought you from for help and rely on horses. That seems kind of strange to me, uh, uh, who trust in chariots because there are many, etc., etc. Uh, in giving rules for kings in Deuteronomy 17, God gave out the rules for the kings that would reign and rule over Israel. He, he, was, very, he was very specific and he, he said, I don't want you to uh, acquire many wives. I don't want you to acquire much wealth and money, and I don't want you to have many horses. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Very strange that instructions for a king where, well, we, we understand, you don't need to have too many wives. Uh, you don't need to just rack up a lot of wealth to yourself, and, and you don't need to have too many horses. That, that's just a little weird to me, and it's interesting that the wisest man to ever live, Solomon, broke every single rule which is why we find that Solomon was led into uh, so many issues and so many problems throughout his, throughout his reign. God tells Joshua to hamstring the, cap the captured horses of the Canaanites in Joshua chapter number 11. And he instructs them specifically, do not use them for battle. Now, it would seem as if, if that's just... Yeah, you're hamstringing the horses, but you're also hamstringing us. You're, you're, you're kind of tying it on our, one arm behind our back here. You're making it difficult. Why don't you want us to use the horses? Why don't you want us to rely on something that is obviously so very strong and, and powerful? No great victory ever won by Israel on the backs of horses. That's something that we need to, to remember as we go back through Scripture. Actually, no, no victory 
Ever won by the nation of Israel was won on the backs of horses. In fact, it's many kings. There are many kings that actually died in battle. They actually died in chariots. It was the king of Assyria that sent a general to talk trash to Hezekiah's army uh, in their own language, Hebrew no less. And he said, now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able to, if you are able on your part to put riders on them, if you can, if you can do anything with them because you're you're so unskilled and you're so backward or you're so uneducated. Uh, king of Assyria coming before the children of Israel, talking trash about them in their own language. Uh, I'll, I'll give you 2,000 horses, you bunch, of, you bunch of terrible, worthless people. I, if you can ride them, who knows if you can even do that. Um, and Assyria has, because of this complete lack of respect, I need all the kids in the house just to bear with me. This isn't playtime, okay? Really distracting for everyone. All of the kids. All of the kids, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Assyria has 185,000 soldiers outside the city of Jerusalem that die. That die because of this. Let's even this fight up a bit is what we're saying. We'll give you 2,000 horses if you have enough people to ride them, if you even know how to ride. But, but God says, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to wipe out 185,000 of you in a second. In a, in a second because, because of your lack of respect for God. Isaiah had already spoken to Hezekiah in Isaiah 31. Woe to those who rely on horses who trust in chariots because there are many and in horsemen because they are very strong but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Nor seek the Lord. As I said just a moment ago, an angel of the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrians while they slept. Very powerful what God can do whenever you rely on Him and you don't allow someone that's talking trash about you and acting like you don't have the ability on your own or you don't have the wherewithal. It's, a, it's amazing what God can do whenever you seek Him and whenever you rely on Him. God says, I don't share my glory with anyone. Preached about this several times in the last few weeks. Spoken about it often. I don't share my glory with anyone, God says over and over. I will not share my glory with another one. I will not share my glory with a king. I will not share my glory with a pagan nation. I will not share my glory, certainly will not share my glory with a horse. The last thing I'm going to do, says God, is share my glory and my victory with a horse. David, the greatest warrior in the history of Israel, said some, some trust in chariots. We're in Psalm 20, verse number 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We will remember the name of the Lord and we will trust in Him. He is saying, 
David, of course, was undefeated in battle because he was anointed of God. He was an anointed man of God. Sure, he had flaws and he had problems, but he was an anointed man of God. All you need, he's saying, in the battle you are facing, all we need, uh, all we need is really just relying on him. Everything you're facing right now in your life, uh, if you would just trust in him and you would depend on him, uh, if you would depend on and trust in him, in his anointing and his power, he can meet the need. He can help you. He can help you through whatever you're going through. He can assist you, but he's not going to share any glory with something else. Whatever it is that you really want to fall back on and rely on, he's saying, I don't want you to rely on that. If you're going to be all in, be all in. If you're going to be all in walking with me, if you're going to put your hope and your trust and your faith in me, I really, I really want you to, I really want you to exclusively depend on me. I don't want you to trust in your own power and and whatever you think that you can manufacture and come up with or any, any things and devices of this world. I really want you to trust exclusively in me. All we need is to be uh, truly, and I know this is kind of an old school point, but all we truly need is to be saturated with the Holy Ghost, saturated with the anointing of God, and allow Him to lead us and guide us. That's an old school point. Brother Brother Helmuth was talking about old school and new school yesterday. Well, this is a new school preacher, so to speak, that's relying on an old school point. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need to trust in Him and not trust in ourselves and not trust in whatever devices and, and mechanization that we can come up to try to engineer and rig a move of God. Not interested in trying to set up and manipulate and try to move all the chess pieces in place so that I can manipulate a move of God or manipulate an atmosphere of praise and worship whenever what He expects of us is just to depend on Him and to celebrate Him and be authentic to what we're supposed to be. Be authentic to the the true purpose of coming to the house of God and celebrating Him and praising Him. Not so that we can manufacture and position and depend on our programs and depend on this. He wants us to depend on Him, to be saturated with the Holy Ghost, to trust in Him. David, talking about David, this wonderful, wonderful, eccentric, flawed man, in the scripture, he sure he had his problems, but he also had his, his, his great features. And he laments, he laments the shield of Saul was vilely cast away as though it had never been anointed. He laments the fact that the, the shield of Saul, King Saul, who he viewed as the once chosen man of God, the once anointed man of God, he, he, he sees the shield that was Saul's shield. He sees it cast away so vilely. And he laments the fact that it was, it was cast away as though it was never anointed, as though it was never anointed for battle. Saul died on the battlefield by his own hand. Sure, he died by his own hand by falling on his sword, but it was only after that he took shot after shot of arrow. 
It was only after that he took arrow after arrow. The Bible says the, the archers, uh, uh, they, they focused down on Saul and began to shoot him full of arrows. It, he was going to die anyway. So he, sure, he fell on his own sword, but he was already dying by the archer's hand, which asked, I have to ask the question, where was your shield, Saul? Where was your shield, Saul? Where was it? Why did you die? Why were you, why were you slain on the battlefield? Why were you dropped on the battlefield by the arrows? Where was your shield? The problem is Saul began to, uh, began to neglect the anointing of God long before he died by his own hands on the battlefield. He began to neglect the anointing of God in that he did not protect his shield. He failed to protect his shield. He failed to anoint his shield. I've said it before and I'll say it again today. It's the shield of those days that had to be anointed with oil every day that had to stay pliable so that the arrows from the archer would bounce off the shield, bounce off the shield. But it was Saul who began to neglect the anointing. He began to neglect the anointing of God to, 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 to massage that oil into that leather shield and allow it to to withstand the arrows. He began to choose other directions, other methods. He began to pursue other ways of, of seeking the will of God, as it were. He chose to do other things, and he began, began to neglect the, 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 the saturating power of the anoint, anointing of God. And it's so sad to see, but we see it so often, especially in the church of the living God today, whenever you see people brought out of darkness, brought out of a life of sin, but begin to establish wonderful churches and then you see all of us begin to neglect the anointing and the power that built what was great anyway. We begin to figure out that we can manufacture on our own. We figure out that we can begin to, we can begin to schedule and we, be, we can begin to do things on our own and shift things around just the way we want to do and kind of manufacture on our own. But we're forgetting it's the anointing of God that builds the church. It's the anointing of God that establishes families in the church. It's the anointing of God that protects you from the enemy. It's the anointing of God that shields and guards your faith which is your shield to keep it pliable against the fiery darts of hell. Yes, it's the anointing of God that we must be saturated with today. We can't get away from that. We can't forget the anointing. We can't forget the anointing. We can't forget the power of the Holy Ghost. We can't forget that that's really what it's all about in this time, in this hour, in this day. It's not just a Christmas time message. It's a year-round, 365-day-a-year message. We must rely on the power of the Holy Ghost. We must rely on the direction of the Spirit of the Lord. And we must rely on His anointing. The shield must be anointed. Saul, the shield must be anointed. Lighthouse, our shields must be anointed. Our shields must be anointed today. Our shields must be anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. Our shields cannot be anointed with our own intellect. Our shields cannot be anointed with our own talents, with our own programs, with our own skill. 
Our shields must only be anointed if they're going to stay strong, if they're going to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. Our shields must be anointed with the power and the presence of God. A horse, the horse. Why do you have a problem with the horse, God? Why do you have a... Look at this. Look at this horse. He's adorable. Why would you have a problem with that horse, God? Look at him. Man, he's, he's smiling for all of us. God is saying, I have a problem with the horse because it represents flesh. And I know what my church is going to do if they obsess with flesh. I know what my my church is going to do when they start to rely on their own flesh, on their own power, on their own ability, on their own skill. I know what's going to happen. They're going to raise up a church that will soon fall because they're relying on flesh. God is saying, I don't need, I don't need a horse. I don't need somebody on a horse. I don't need your flesh. I need you to be saturated with my presence and for you to remember to be saturated. I need you to remember to be saturated with the Holy Ghost, saturated with the anointing of God. I need you baptized in my presence every single day. I don't need you relying on flesh. I don't need you relying on horses. I don't need you to rely. I don't need you to go to conference looking at the horsemen. Oh, it's the horsemen. Look at the preachers. Look at the line of... (laughs) Now I'm going to preach against us right now. I'm going to preach against the preachers right now because uh, we go to conference after... you, You don't see this a lot of times, but this is one of those things that just bugs me to death. It's whenever you get... You get a conference full of people today ex- expecting something. Oh, it's a few thousand people. And then the old school, we, I'm not preaching against old school, but we used to do this. And it's really not old school. It's a, it's a mid-school kind of mentality. It's a, it's a, we get in this mindset where, okay, the congregation is ready for church. It's time for the preachers to parade in with our 50-pound Bibles tucked under our arm and a strut. We're coming in. We're coming in now. And all of a sudden, it's almost as if that hand clap that was opening the service for God has just shifted over to the horsemen. It's the horsemen parading in now. Oh, that's my favorite preacher right there. No, that's my favorite preacher. No, that's my favorite preacher. That's the preacher. And we've started this concept of pulpit worship where we start focusing on the man. We start focusing on the horsemen. And we're not focusing on the God of the horsemen. The original God of the horsemen that gave them the anointing to get started in ministry. And then we start shifting this idea and this understanding around where we start focusing on our own abilities, our own intellect, our own, uh, our own charisma, and our own ability to move a crowd. And we stop focusing on the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that will break, that will break, that will break the bonds, that will break the yoke. It's the anointing 
of the Holy Ghost. It's not the preacher with his leather skin shoes. It's not the preacher. Of course we need preaching, but I will never exalt a preacher to the point of exalting him over the anointing and the presence of God. God, we need your messengers, but I'm going to remember as a preacher of the gospel that God can speak through an ass. Some of you saying he's speaking through one right now. No, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be that at all. No, no, God. God is saying I can speak through a donkey. He did in scripture. I can speak through a bush. I don't need you. I will use you if you're available. But I certainly don't want you to anoint yourself. I just certainly don't want you to exalt yourself because it's not about the horse. It's not about the horseman. It's not about chariots. It's about the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the anointing of God that we must have, that we must allow to saturate us if we want to reach a lost and dying world. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's those, it's those pre- I, I don't want to preach against preachers, but sometimes we need to be preached against every now and then. Even me, even me, your wonderful, loving pastor. I need to be brought down just a little bit every now and then because it's not about me. It's about him. It's, a, it's about him. If everything I'm saying and preaching is not pointing you to him, if it's pointing you to me, then I've got a problem. I've got a problem that I need to correct because I want the God, the God that supplies life, that creates life. I want him. I, want, I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. I can learn how to do this and I can learn how to do that. But if I'm not careful... I'm going, to res- I'm going to start relying on my own talents and abilities. And I'm going to forget that I need to point you to Jesus. I need to point you to repentance first. And then I need to point you to being full of the Holy Ghost. Being saturated with the anointing of God. So he can begin to use you. And fight your battles with you. I didn't say for you. I said with you. We come in and we just clap and we celebrate and we and that's wonderful. I want to honor. To, there are people who are worthy of honor. You are worthy of honor. I'm not the only one in this building worthy of honor. Every single person under the sound of my boy voice, we are worthy of honor. I don't want to exalt one person, every anybody above him. It's the it's the saturating power. Of God, the anointing of God. We're going to build a church. We're going to build a church by one way. And it's not going to be. We're not going to build a church. We're not going to refill this church, I should say. We're not going to establish a new work and a new move of the Spirit in this area. We're not going to do it by having the best program. Because there's always somebody with a better program. We're not going to do it with, by having the best media department. There's always somebody with a bigger budget to have a better media department. I talked to somebody the other day and it was nothing for them to dump 50 grand on a new 
on new pieces of a media department, not even the whole thing. Just we needed to upgrade some things, so we spent, you know, 50 grand. Well, that would be cool. Man, imagine what we could do with that. We could, we, I mean, we could outfit the whole thing for 50 grand, much less just get a few monitors and this and that for 50 grand. We're not going to do it because there's always somebody with a bigger budget. There's always somebody with brighter lights. There's always somebody with better smoke machines. And there's always somebody with better talent on uh, musical instruments. And there's always somebody that can move a crowd just a little bit better. But that's not what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to rely on the horses. The only thing that's going to build a church, an apostolic church in 2024 going forward is if we build it on worship, if we build it on praise, if we build it on prayer, and if we build it on anointing. I want to build a church. I want to build a church. I want to build a church. I want to build God's church. I want for us to build a church that's full of the Holy Ghost, that's full of the anointing, that's full of the power of God, that's full of the things of God. Uh, Sure, we can use whatever methods we need to use, and we can do this and do that. That's fine. He wants things to be done decently in order, of course. But let's not forget. Let's not forget. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. It's going to break the yoke. It's the anointing that's going to change lives. It's the anointing. It's being full of the Holy Ghost. It's being, it's being a worshiper. It's being a praiser. Some of you probably, whenever I spoke up just a few minutes ago and I said, oh, I need all the kids to be quiet. Some of you probably, ooh, he's scolding the kids. I'm not scolding the kids. Kids have to be corrected. What would we have if kids were never corrected? Be chaos. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. I would much rather kids be kids and you have to steer them than to have no kids in the house. It's fine, buddy. We're going to do things right. We're going to do things good. And we're going to make mistakes and we're going to get up and keep going. It's fine. But what I don't want to do is abort kids before they're ever born. I don't want to, I want, I don't want to kick out the kids before they ever get established. I want to say you're welcome. You're welcome. If you want to celebrate, celebrate. We're not going to, we're not going to act like it's playtime because it's not playtime. But it is celebration time. It is celebration time. And I want you to feel welcome in the house of the Lord. To feel the presence of the Lord. Because I know the kids, if they're going to stand a chance going forward, it's, it's that they need the Holy Ghost. They need the anointing of God. If they are going to stand a chance in this world, they need the anointing of God upon their lives. And we need to be a church full of the Holy Ghost that facilitates and allows it. 
We're going to be a church of praisers. We're going to be a church of celebrators. We're going to be a church that knows how to touch God, that knows how to celebrate Him, that knows how to move the Spirit of God. We're going to be a church that knows I'm not going to rely on myself. I'm not going to rely. I'm not going to point people to me. I'm going to point people to Him. They sang it just a little while ago, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And that was fun and that was interactive and we had a good time. But did we stop to think about the message of the song? Jen said it was, she said it perfectly. These aren't just words, this is scriptural. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So what we're going to do now, we're going to do a little experiment. I want everybody to take a deep breath. You ready? Take a deep breath and hold it. Now hold it right there. Don't breathe. Don't let it out. Don't let it out. Now this is the only time in your life, according to Scripture, that you're not obligated to praise God. That's what it says. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now you took one breath and you're holding it. So you, you can take this next few seconds off. Are you still holding it? Keep holding because you don't have to praise Him right now. You don't have to. It's what he said. You good? Still holding? No, nobody's holding. Yeah, holding it, yeah, with their mouth closed but breathing through their nose. Yeah, I, I see your games. Yeah, I see it. But that's scriptural. It's scriptural in that we understand the moment I take a breath is the moment... It's the moment that I have to offer praise to him. I have to be a continual praiser of him. Because if he's put life in me, if he's put breath in my body, then I must be a praiser of him. These aren't just words that we read on a screen. This is the way we build a church. This is the way we live a life. This is the way we raise a family. Let everything that has breath celebrate him for being the God that delivers, that for being the God that saves. I want, to, I want to be a praiser. I want to be a celebrator. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I want to know Him. I want to pursue Him. I don't want to rely on what we can do. As we all stand. See that? The clock did a good job. Well done, well done. Thank God for the clock. So we will be a praiser as long as you don't preach too long. I ended rather abruptly, so the musicians are scrambling to get here in time, but understand what I'm saying today. Understand. There's a, I know, I I try to pepper in some humor a little bit to to wake most of you up, but, but, looking at Brother Jack. No, it's, it's interesting in the church today, I, I observe, I see, I, I know what is expected. I know the way churches operate today. Not all churches, but some churches. And I can see a, 
a shift. I've seen a shift, and some of you have seen it as well, over the past several years where there is a shift away from a pastor actually being a preacher. But the pastor is nothing more than a manager. He has good managerial skills and he can, he can line things up and he can set things and he has a good business sense. Couldn't preach his way out of a wet paper bag. Oh, that's, you shouldn't say that. No, I'm going to preach against us. I told you I'm going to preach against us a little bit. And there's something to be said for good managerial skills. There's something to be said for uh, being organized. There's something to be said for making sure that structure is in place. But there's nothing, nothing that will ever take the place in God's church of the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the preached Word of God. Nothing, nothing. Nothing will ever take the place of that. All of us have our strengths. All of us have our weaknesses. All of, our, all of us have our things that we focus on. And I have my faults, of course. But never let it, be, let it never be said of me, God. that I'm not focused on the anointing of the Holy Ghost and a move of the Spirit. I'll never manage... I'll never manage your family and your kids out of addiction. I'll never be able to manage I'll never be able to manage good enough to comfort you whenever you lose a loved one. I'll never be able to manage good enough to pull that pistol away from your head whenever you're at your absolute rock bottom. But I know someone who can do all of that and more. And if I could be a, <clears throat> if I can be a conduit for him to move through. And I'll do it.
there's some things that only He can do. There's things that we can try to do. And we can put band-aids on things. And we can try to manipulate, as it were. But there's some things only the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God can do. Lift your hands just for a moment. He's speaking to his people. Allow him to speak to you, church. Allow him to speak. Colin said it just a little while ago. If you you would listen, he's speaking. If you would listen to the word of the Lord today, he's speaking to you. Yeah. 